Well, today, uh, today we celebrate the memorial of St. Peter Claver, who's the patron saint of missions to black people, to Africans. And uh, that would hold true for any kind of missionary work that's done in Africa in general. And it's also true for African Americans as well, or for any people of African descent that are in South America. So we have a very special saint that we're celebrating today, very relevant to all the things that are going on and we're facing uh, as a nation. And uh, St. Peter Claver was born in Spain, uh, in the late uh, 1500s, and he uh, was he joined the Jesuits and he was sent to South America. He was sent to Colombia. Colombia at that time was a, was the hub in the New World uh, for the slave trade. Very very uh, villainous, nasty, heinous reality, historical reality that that blights uh, European and American civilization. And it was all about money. Of course, the slave traders did what they did because they could get good money for it. And so they would go and they would take the slaves from West Africa and they'd bring them over to Colombia. And then from Colombia, they would kind of disperse and be sold all over the place. Uh, we have to remember, too, as, as North Americans, we got to remember that the Americas were kind of the little brother of the Americas. South America has got a 100 years more history to it than, than we do. And so there was a, a good hundred years of activity down in South America with the Spanish in particular, uh, then before the English came over to, to North America. So by 1610 in South America, things were really rolling. There was a big civilization going on and the slave trade was huge. Uh, and the pilgrims in North America were, were just coming over and just starting their, starting their thing. So around 1610 or so, that's, that's precisely when Peter Claver um, got to Colombia. And uh, what was neat was that he kind of, he received the baton from someone else who had been ministering to the slaves. Um, I can't recall the, the man's name, but it was another priest. And he had been ministering for 30 years or so to the slaves. Um, he would go and visit them in their, basically their quarters where they were living, Whereas uh, Peter Claver kind of upped the ante a bit, and he would go and begin ministering to them immediately as soon as the ships, the slave ships, got into the docks. And of course, the slave ships were horribly, horribly overcrowded. The people, the, the slaves, were in there shoulder to shoulder. Um, it took months to get across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, large percentages uh, of each uh, group of people on, the, on any given ship would have died. Uh, between the time they were, went from Africa to um, to Colombia, so very likely, if you were a slave, you could have seen the death of your of your children, or the death of, of your wife, or your husband, or the death of your brother or mother or whoever it might be. Okay, so that's a very big thing. They were also told by the slave traders that they were going to be eaten. That was a common myth that they would tell the slaves to scare them into submission. They said that, that when you get to this place we're going to bring you, you're going to be eaten. So, you know, these people are completely terrified, horrified. They encounter a culture that they have no idea what's going on in terms of language, anything else. Uh, they're seeing their family members die. Um, and then when they get to Colombia, suddenly there's a small group of people, a minority, who's showing them some kind of mercy and, and, uh, and care and was taking care of their their wounds and ministering medical aid to them and feeding them and whatnot. And so uh, 
St. Peter Claver was, was a, uh, an angel of mercy uh, for these poor souls. Um, he ministered to slaves for 40 years. That's what he dedicated his whole life to. And when he made his final profession with the Jesuits, he signed his name as the slave of the Africans. So that's what he dedicated him. That's what he called himself. I'm the slave of the Africans. Um, and then ironically, as, as sort of fate would have it, is when he was an old man and he got sick and he had to go into his basically like the rest home, his superior hired an ex-slave to take care of him, and the ex-slave was highly abusive to him, didn't feed him, didn't take care of him. And he accepted it all and didn't complain, and he did it in atonement for the sins of the Europeans uh, against the against the Africans. And so he was a very, very holy man, uh, great heroic um, uh, sanctity. We have our gospel. Our gospel is really appropriate today. Jesus gives the Sermon on the Mount, well, the Beatitudes, but it's an interesting thing because it's the Beatitudes as they show up in the Gospel of Luke. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, it's a, the wording is just a little bit different. So, for example, in Matthew, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So it's talking about a spiritual quality. Okay, But in Luke, it just says, blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor. So it's talking about those who are literally poor and uh, disadvantaged. And we have in our Catholic uh, teaching what we call the preferential option for the poor. So we we believe that Jesus uh, became poor, though he was rich in terms of his divinity. He became poor when he became a man and he lived his life and especially his earthly ministry, his three years of earthly ministry in great poverty. And he did that intentionally so that he could identify with the poor. And of course, we've got the great saints of our, of our tradition, like St. Francis of Assisi, whose whole religious order was founded on poverty. And uh, so, because we believe that Jesus has a special preferential love for the poor, we believe that we ourselves have to make that a priority, to really care about the poor and the, the disadvantaged. And certainly, uh, the African community uh, on the other side of the Atlantic, wherever it finds itself, has got a very long history of poverty and disadvantage. You know, some uh, sometimes people will say, if you, if you look at the, the, the plight of the African-American community in North America, in the United States, some people will say, well, look, you know, there's lots of people groups that came here that were originally from a different place and they they suffered discrimination and they had lack of opportunities but you know they pulled themselves up by the by their bootstraps and they worked hard and uh you know they made something of themselves and how come you people just can't get your act together that's a kind of a common refrain so the, the point to well look at the japanese during world war ii the japanese had it really bad in america and they certainly did there's no doubt about that look at the jewish people when the jewish people came to america there was great discrimination against them as well and that's certainly true and you know they're very successful as a whole uh to this day at uh, this day uh, i mean look at the irish for crying out loud you know <laughs> i mean the irish were very greatly discriminated against and um had lack of opportunities and lots of poverty and whatnot and you know they worked hard and they made something out of themselves and uh, there there's you know not to discount the fact that we do need to as individuals take responsibility for our lives and make good choices and work hard and uh, we live in a country, and this is an important point, no doubt about it, you can never underestimate it. We live in a country where 
there's the possibility of social progress. America is a very special place. It was founded right from the beginning on ideals. So what unites us as a people is the ideals of the Declaration of Independence, and the ideals of the Constitution. That's not the case for any other country ever in the history of the world. All, most countries are founded simply by an accidental um, combination of blood and language and ethnicity, and that's pretty much how countries are founded. But America is unique because it was founded on a set of moral principles and ideals. It's a beautiful thing. And so we did not live up to those ideals, okay? For example, that all men are created equal. We didn't live up to those ideals as good as we could have in the beginning, but our history has been one of us continually increasing the rate at which we're living up to these ideals, okay? Um, but there's still room to go. There's still progress to be made, and the work is not over. And so we've got different groups that are disadvantaged, uh, African Americans in particular. Why, why they're unique in so many ways is because for all the other groups that you can think of that started out in America at a disadvantage, like the Japanese or the, the Jewish people, um, the African Americans had their entire cultural history stripped from them, erased. Okay? So the Jewish people have a massive cultural history. Massive. That would be an understatement to say. They have a massive cultural history, and culture is the soil upon which a, a people group's self-knowledge and resilience is able to be built. Okay, so the Jewish people, they, re, they encounter hardship. Hey, they've been encountering hardship for hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay, they can handle it. But take the African Americans, their history literally started in slavery. Okay, their history here started in slavery. They have no cultural memory before that because it was erased. It was taken from them by the slave traders. I look at myself and all the different benefits I've gotten from my immediate family, my cultural history, so forth and so on. You know, uh, on my mother's side, I can trace my lineage back to France going 500 years back. I actually know the names <laughs> of my ancestors back through Canada, for example, just for example. But with the African Americans, their history begins in slavery. And then even after abolition, you had Jim Crow laws, and then you had segregation, and you had a perfect storm of a lot of really uh, difficult things that happened to them historically that disadvantaged them. And in the midst of that, there have been many heroic black people who have been able to uh, elevate the moral fabric of their community, and, and more importantly, the moral fabric of the entire United States, regardless of whether it's white or black. Uh, obviously, the most notable person being Martin Luther King Jr. You know, he's become a cultural icon, and rightly so. So, my brothers and sisters, we have to balance two things. Yes, personal responsibility and belief in the, uh, the greatness of our country, that it's a country of opportunity, but we also have to have care for the poor and the disadvantaged. Certainly, African Americans fall into that character, uh, into that category. And so, through the intercession of St. Peter Claver, as Catholics, as Christians, as Americans, uh, let us always be mindful of the underprivileged, of those who don't have the opportunities, perhaps that we might. Uh, let's fight for peace, let's fight for justice, 
Um, and let's pray for the intercession of St. Peter uh, that these things would be realized in our uh, country.